Hebrews chapter 11. So let's look there in verses 1 and 2 of Hebrews, uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 and 2. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, for by it the elders obtained a good testimony. The essential meaning of Hebrews 11.1 1 is faith is the title deed of things hoped for. Thus, a man who has true faith, or a woman who has true faith, possesses the title deed of eternal realities and the conviction and proof of those realities. That's what you and I have, though unseen, and can be a living and effective power in his or her life. That is faith. Another perspective of faith is manifested in its perception of the existence and operation of God as creator and sustainer of the visible universe and in its perception of the overruling providence of God in world affairs. We see that in verses 1 and 2. And that scripture goes on to say, by faith, uh, it says, for by it the elders. And we're going to get into the elders. Notice it doesn't say fathers. It says elders because in this by faith section, it talks about Sarah. It talks about Sarah and how she lived by faith as well. She lived by faith. So it says, for by it the elders obtained a good testimony. And then we see there in verse 3, by faith we. Now we is not looking back, it's looking to all. This is a message to all. For by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. The word of God framed the worlds so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. I love to make this statement, and you'll probably hear this sermon at some point, is nothing even obeys God. Nothing even obeys God. When there was nothing, God spoke and nothing obeyed. And we by faith believe that. That the world, the planets, everything was ex nihilo. It was created from nothing. And by faith we receive that. Before beginning the impressive roll call of the faithful, the author reminds us that faith is absolutely necessary if we are to understand even the first page of Scripture. If we were to even understand the first page of Scripture, it comes by faith. Because the explanation must be accepted by faith because there were no human spectators. There were no human spectators when the world was formed and framed. It takes faith to receive that. And we built upon that faith into our day-to-day living by faith so to bring glory to God and others to Christ. Faith in Christ begins the educational, spiritual, and fundamental growth of the believer. The faith then lend, that faith then lends to a faith that receives the whole word of God as the infallible, inerrant word of God from beginning to end. If you say, I don't believe this about the Bible, you have not received by faith the grace of God unto salvation. Because when you receive Christ, you receive the Word in its fullness, in its wholeness. 
And you don't say, as Thomas Jefferson did, and you cut out pieces that you say, I don't really believe this, and you make your own Bible. This is the Word of God. You either receive it as it is, or you, forsa- you have forsaken it. You cannot be a half-Bible-believing believer because you're not a believer. It's either all or nothing. From in the beginning to I'm returning, Amen. It's all or nothing. You believe it all. So by faith, our elders believe that the world was framed by the Word of God. So the very first page requires faith, and these are our elders, and the Scripture tells us that they believed it that way. They believed it that way, so we too should believe it in the same way. So let's look at the faith of our elders. The faith of our elders. Look here. By faith, Abel offered sacrifice. By faith, Abel offered sacrifice. Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and though it being dead, uh, though, excuse me, and through it, he being dead, still speaks. The word offer literally means to bore, and that means he carried it toward God. He carried it into God's presence. Abel offered to bore, Abel offered and bore his worship to the Lord. His worship was in faith. His worship was in faith. When we come in, when we come week in and week out to our gathering, do you bring your worship of faith? Do you bring your worship by faith? Do you come in here that way? Our offering will be received when we bring our worship in a heart filled with faith. Abel offered by faith, if you go back to the Old Testament, it's not said in this particular text, but when you go back in the original writing, when they're referencing, where they're referencing Abel from, that scripture says, Abel offered by faith the firstlings of his flock and the fat thereof. So two things about this offering by faith. The first, firstlings of the flock is the first of the flock, much as that of a tithe. The first thing he did was the first things of the firstlings of the flock, and he gave that. That's a tithe, and he gave that to the Lord. And within this, also in this offering of this um, firstling, is a slain offering. Death was there. Death was acknowledged. When we give our worship to the Lord, we are to offer ourselves as a living what? Sacrifice. Death has to be there. Death to self. Julie and I and Terry went last night or yesterday afternoon and got to watch the new movie called The Blind. And it's the story of Phil and Kay Robertson. Some of you remember they got real popular from Duck Dynasty. And it's the story of their marriage and how God redeemed Phil, saved them both, but redeemed them from what could have been absolute tragedy of their family. God is a redeeming God. And, and when, they, when we come, we, we, we bring our offering of praise. I got distracted. I apologize about that. There was a point there. Oh, I'll I, I come back to that. The preacher that went and spoke to Phil when he was living out in the trailer, I don't want to ruin the whole movie, he said, Phil, you got to die. You got to die. And you got to be born again. You got to die and you got to be born again. That's what he told him. Guys, if you want Christ in your life, you and I have to die to self and pick up our cross daily and live for him. 
This is not a, I'm still me, I do what I want to do. You die to self. You cannot say, I get, I get a pass because I've had a bad life. I get a pass because my parents treated me bad. I get a pass because this. No, if you have died to self in Christ Jesus, quit using the past as a reason why you sin and harbor bad thoughts and you don't forgive. Quit it. You are saved by the grace of God. No longer are you you. You are his. And it's not to say you forget, but you forgive. And you say, God is bigger than my past, and I don't have to live in it anymore. But so many of us don't want to let that little part die. We want it to live. We're just feeding it breadcrumbs under the table. Say, come on, just live a little longer. I need an escape goat. For when I want to say what I want to say, when I want to act how I want to act, when I want to say curse words, I want to just say curse words. When I want to watch this because I didn't get my way and it gives me fulfillment, stop it. Stop it. We've got to die to self. There was death in that first offering in the very beginning of the Word of God. And if you want to have life and you want to live by faith, death has got to be a part of your life. I know that's a hard word to hear, but it's got to be. It's got to be a part of our lives. And Abel's offering was received because of that presence that death was there. Death was acknowledged. Whoo, I didn't mean to go that, but man, we, we've got to die to self. I've got to die to self. That's something, I'm telling you, it is hard. I'm not telling you it's easy, guys. I'm not telling you this is easy. The Christian life is the hard life to live. It's not for the faint of heart to, to proclaim Christ as Lord of your life. It's the hardest life to live. It'd be a whole lot easier if I'd never professed Christ. I'd go out there and do whatever I want to, whatever pleases me, because I'd be Lord of my life. I'd be king of my life. Do whatever I very well please. Say what I want to say. Watch what I want to watch. Go where I want to go. Stay there longer than anybody should wish for me to stay, because I would be Lord of my life. But when I die to self, when I die to self, and I say I'm giving it to Christ, that's when you start living by faith. That's when you start living by faith. By faith, Enoch, please God, look there in verse 5. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found. The Old Testament says, and he was not because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony. What was his testimony? That he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that Christ, that he is, and that Christ, he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So we see Enoch walk with God. Uh, Enoch walk with God in the way it's phrased in the Old Testament. And this walk that Enoch had pleased God. Now, four things of the simplest nature of Enoch's walk. He moved in God's divine direction. He moved in God's divine direction. He agreed with God's will. He trusted in God and God in him, and he kept in step with God. And all these things which led to Enoch's was not was by his faith. Enoch was not, and it was all because it was by faith. It's because he pleased God. He pleased God. 
So we must be like Enoch in moving in God's direction, God's will, trust in God, and in step with God. There in verse 6, I've already read it. But by faith, we too please God. We too please God by faith. The Bible assumes two things. The Bible assumes that God is, and it also assumes that he is the rewarder of those that seek him. The Bible never argues those two things. Never argues those two things. And this verse is clearly illustrated for Romans 10, 9 and 10. And it's concluded in the heart of the one manifesting his faith in Christ through Christ's grace to him or her. And we can read that in Ephesians 2, uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. So passionately pursue God. When you find him, he is a rewarder of those who seek him. And seeking God is this, but it's not limited to this. But it is this, it is prayer, it is Bible study, it's corporate worship, it's personal worship, and so on. This is seeking God. This is seeking God. Look there in verse 7. By faith, Noah moved with godly fear. By faith, Noah being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear. He prepared an ark for the saving of his household by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is according to his faith. So we see Noah, he built an ark on faith in God. And by doing so, he saved his household. He literally saved humanity. The ark was the revelation of God's condemnation of sinful man. The ark also is a picture of Christ as well. For those who are in Christ will be saved from the wrath that is to come. And the outcome for Noah, the outcome of those works led to Noah's heir to righteousness. God revealed to Noah his purpose. When God gave him the divine warning, things not yet seen, this was to readily prepare for that which was to come. In Noah's days, the wickedness of man was great and were living uh, as though there wasn't anything wrong with their wickedness. They were going about their daily life along with some overindulgence. They were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage. Now listen, this isn't to say that these things are evil. Eating, you got to eat, you got to drink, you should marry, and, and you should be given away in marriage. But these things aren't evil. But without a conscience of the gluttony of those things, <clears throat> excuse me, they became idols and distractions from the Lord. They can become idols and distractions from the Lord. So we need to be moved by godly fear and obey even when wickedness surrounds us and pervades our culture. The only way we can do this is by faith. The only way we can do this is by faith. Look there in verses 8 through 10. By faith, Abraham obeyed in leaving and dwelling. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he dwelt in the land of promise, as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. So what do we see? Abraham, esteemed in all, Abraham is esteemed in all three of the largest monotheistic faiths. Did you know that? In all three of the largest monotheistic faiths, he is esteemed in uh, Islam, Judaism, and Christianity. Now, obviously, we know he's esteemed in Judaism and in Christianity. But did you know that someone once went through the Quran and found Abraham mentioned 188 times? Abraham's pretty important to all of the major faiths of today. 
Abraham is very important. Abraham followed the call of God even when the destination was unknown. The call of God, and I want you to hear this. I thought this was pretty awesome. The call of God is not one of certainty of destination, but of certain destination with the one who makes the call. The destination by faith that Abraham understood was one of promise, one of goodness, and one of God's choosing. Even when we don't see, God has seen. Even when we don't know, God in his providence has known. We need to obey by trusting him in obedience and in faith. Verses 11 and 12, by faith Sarah conceived. Look there, verse 11 and 12. By faith Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed. And she bore a child when she was past the age because she judged him, Christ, God the Father, faithful, who had promised. Therefore, from one man, and him as good as dead, were born as many as the stars of the sky in multitude, innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. So Sarah, by faith, Sarah conceived. She was very old and beyond the age of fertility, but God can be trusted to his word. He told Abraham, look outside and see how many stars there are. I'm going to bless you. And Abraham was an old guy already. Abraham's all right. Well, they tell Sarah she laughs. But at the same time, she believed. By faith, she did come to believe. God told Abraham that his offspring would be more than the stars in the sky and more than the grains of sand. And this could not have happened without faith by Sarah as well to receive God's plan for them and the world. Even when you and I believe something is beyond humanly possible, it is not beyond God's possibility. But we must not try to make God's will to be ours. If God sounds like you, desires only what you desire, and never is different than your will, you're listening to you. You're listening to you. So let us be like Sarah. Let's hear the voice of the Lord and prepare to receive that plan he has for us. Let's look at verses 13 through 16. This is faith in the yet to come. These all died in faith not having received the promises, but having seen them afar, were assured of them, embraced them, confessed them, that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth, that those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. And truly, if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out, they would have had opportunity to return. But now they desire a better, that is, a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. I'll fly away, oh glory, I'll fly away. They were thinking about that one day. To a home on the, on the celestial shore, I'll fly away. They were looking for that. A city that was built by God alone. That's what they were looking for. Their faith was a faith that led them to live in preparation and hope of the coming promise. Their faith was never sight in that they never saw Christ, but they knew there was an eternal home and a city that is lit by the glory of the Father. They knew it was there. So they lived in faith looking for that day, and they died without seeing it. And in their faith and by their faith, God is pleased to be their God. Are we longing and seeking for that homeland? Are we? Are we longing and seeking for that homeland? Yeah, we should be. We should be longing for that. 
We sing these songs, number two voted song, I'll Fly Away. If, that's, if you really believe that, then amen. I'll fly away, oh glory, I'll fly away. I'm looking for that homeland. Maranatha, Lord Jesus, come. But we got to live in our faith. Let our faith be the evidence of our vision. Let our faith be the evidence of our vision. Look there, verses 17 through 19. By faith, Abraham offered his son. It says, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, in Isaac, your seed shall be called, concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from which he also raised him in a figurative sense. Abraham believed God could raise Isaac up. And Abraham had that promised vision of God's goodness to him. So in faith, Abraham offered up his promised and cherished son. Sometimes our most prized and cherished earthly things pale in comparison with the riches and blessings God has in store for us when we put him first. Look there in verse 20. By faith, Isaac blessed his sons. We're going to move through three, these three guys pretty quick because it doesn't say much about them. There's a lot to read. Go back in the Old Testament, you can read about these three guys. But they wanted just like, okay, these guys are important, I'm going to throw them a bone. Okay, so here we go. So by faith, Isaac blessed his sons. Look there in verse 20. Says he blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. Pretty simple. So our lives should be blessings to our children. Our lives should be blessings to our children. Isaac's choices in life by faith blessed his children. And our choices should likewise bless our children. Listen, like I said before, we've all made mistakes in the past. The past is what it is by definition. Past. So quit living there. And start making decisions today that bless your children, that bless your grandchildren, that bless your great-grandchildren. Start making those decisions now. Today's not too late, but tomorrow may be. Start making the decisions now. By faith, bless your children. Look at there. By faith, Jacob blessed and worshipped. I really want to focus on worship here with Jacob. By faith, when he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph and worshiped, leaning on the top of his staff. So Jacob blessed and worshiped, even as an older, elderly man. All these guys, it says, when they were dying. All right? All these guys were dying. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying. By faith, Joseph, when he was dying. So these guys are we're talking about some of the aged senior saints. are talking about it's a time to bless, it's a time to worship. It's time to bless. It's time to worship. The scripture tells us he worshiped leaning on his staff. So today, if you're leaning on a staff or a walker during worship, go right ahead. This faithful worship was modeled by Jacob, and please continue to worship. It's okay. Stand with the cane. Stand with the walker. Stand for the Lord. Worship him. Jacob has given us the model. So it's always important for us to do that. We should, we, should, we should continue in that. No matter what age we are, we should be worshiping the Lord. By faith, Joseph gave instructions. Look there in verse 22. Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the departure and of the children of Israel and gave instructions concerning his bones. 
Now, this is a reference to Genesis chapter 50, verses 22 through 26. And as a prince of Egypt, Joseph was worthy of the greatest honor in Egypt since he, by faith in God, led them in navigating the famine. He was due a glorious funeral, one that probably even would have put him in a pyramid. You know, he was worthy of it. But yet he chose the promised land for his body to be laid instead of the land of abundance in which he came from. Because he had much rather be a promise of the heir of Christ than a prince of the land of Egypt. We should see our material and earthly possessions and accolades not as ways of glorifying self, but in exalting God. Joseph did this by trusting the God of the promise of the promised land. Look at, those, by, look at Moses' parents in verse 23. It's kind of misleading at first. It says, by faith, Moses. But they kind, of, they kind of should have put that a little different. If you look there, it says, by faith, Moses, when he became, excuse me, verse 20, 23. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents. I mean, like as a baby, he couldn't express faith. He couldn't put himself in a, in a basket to be sent down a Nile. So who, who expressed faith? Moses' parents. They hid him for three months because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's commands. You know, by faith, Moses' parents hid Moses. By faith, Moses' parents hid Moses. The government cannot be the thing that moves us, but rather, just as was mentioned early, godly fear. That's what should move us. The government shouldn't be the thing that moves us, but rather God. When I say the government, you've got to think Egypt was wanting to kill all the firstborns. That's the reason why I use that language, because that was the government of the day. Moses' parents participated in what I call divine rebellion, and that they submitted to God over government. There's a healthy rebellion, and Moses' parents did this. Daniel did this. The three Hebrew boys did this. It is better to obey God rather than men. There is a time and place for divine rebellion. And Moses' parents exercised that at this time. And we at times in our lives may have to exercise our faith through divine rebellion. We may have to stand against antichrist actions such as abortion, renaming marriage, and other politically driven antichrist efforts. There's times where we're going to have to have divine rebellion. And right now is the time, if ever, just look around. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time here, but there's times when we're going to have to do it. And we're going to have to say no more. We put our foot down on the Word of God. We put our heart in, in faith in Christ Jesus, and we stand against what the government's trying to impose upon us as an anti-Christ government. Because I'm telling you right now, we're living in one. So there's three things now we look at in verses 24 through 29. Three things Moses chose by faith. Three things Moses chose by faith in 24 through 29. It says, by faith, Moses, when he became of age, he chose to refuse to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. He chose to refuse pleasure and accept suffering. We at times will not be able to choose what is easy, but we'll have to choose what is hard. He could have chose to stay in Egypt, and it would have been easy. Now, granted, there might have been conviction to come on from the Lord, but he could have had an easy life outside of that. But he chose the hard life. He chose to follow Christ. 
Sometimes we have no choice, and we must respond in faith to the circumstances in which we find ourselves. Sometimes our circumstances are by our own choices. Sometimes our circumstances are because of the choices of those that surround us. Whether it be a, a mother and father, or it might be siblings, or it might be a household, or whatever it may be, sometimes you're in those circumstances because of them, not because of you. And you've got to be able to stand in faith because of those things. Secondly, Moses chose to forsake Egypt and institute the Passover. We see that in verse 27 and 28. By faith, he forsook Egypt. I don't pull my points out of the air. I just pull them out of the Bible. By faith, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he who destroyed the firstborn should touch them. He chose to forsake Egypt and institute the Passover. We must at times refuse the pleasurable and easy life for the harder life. We must do as the Lord commands over how our flesh sways. And that's hard sometimes. It's hard sometimes. But we have to do as the Lord commands. Third thing that Moses chose by faith was to lead the Israelites through the Red Sea. You see that there in verse 29. By faith, they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, whereas the Egyptians, attempting to do so, were drowned. At times, we may even be called upon to lead something great and miraculous, not because of who we are, but because in whom we place our faith. If we believe God, we're going to believe God to see us through to the other side. Just like when all the disciples, when the disciples got on the boat and Jesus said, let's go to the other side. Jesus fell asleep. A storm arose while they were on the, on the, on the, on the waters. And they come, they're like, do you not even care? And Jesus is like, did I not tell you we're going to get to the other side? And he wakes up and he calms the storm and he says, oh, ye of little faith. And they said, who is this? that he commands the, the, the wind and the waves. And they got to the other side. <laughs> We've got to believe. We've got to have faith in Christ that what he says he will do, he will do. We believe that by faith. Look at verses 30 and 31. We see the faith of Israel. We see the faith of Israel. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. And then, by faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. We see the faith of Israel. By faith, Jericho's walls fell. The Israelites, though the command was extremely unique and probably considered very strange, they, by faith, marched around the walls of Jericho, and the walls of Jericho fell because they had faith. They had faith because they trusted their leaders and they trusted their God. They placed their faith in both to bring them to safety and victory. And we, too, must exercise this same faith in God by trusting those in leadership to bring us to where God desires. Sometimes it takes doing some strange and very unique, wacky, weird stuff Sometimes it does. And you, you might say, well, we've never done it that way before. They nobody ever marched around walls to make them cave in before. I'm sure that was something they said. Well, we've never done this before to defeat an enemy. No, but God says to do it, so what are we going to do? Obey. And we're going to believe by faith that God's going to keep his word. And he's going to give us victory. 
and he's going to get the victory because what are we doing but just marching around a place? Because it's all about the victory of God. Faith, faith is the victory that overcomes the world. Well, that faith is it's the faith in Christ that overcome the world. We are victors by his victory. And Rahab, by faith, Rahab received the spies and lived. We find Rahab's story in Joshua chapter 2, verses 1 through 24, and chapter 6, verses 22 through 25. At great personal risk, she identified with the Lord of Israel and acted in accordance with her new belief. She accepted by faith the fact that God had given Canaan to this invading nation. For this great faith found in the most unexpected place, in a harlot, in a prostitute. Thankfully, though, God gave her that faith, granted that to her, and showed her grace. Rahab has been enshrined forever in Hebrews 11. And she's also in the lineage of Jesus Christ. Be prepared. Be prepared. God may ask you to do something daring and risky by faith. I think a lot of times we just think that when we when we receive salvation, everything should just be a, a, a it should be like just like sitting in the basket at Walmart, your parent pushing you around, and you're strapped in in a little seat, and they're just and you just go wherever it goes. No, it's like a roller coaster. It ain't like a shopping cart at Walmart when you're a little kid. It's like a roller coaster. There's ups, there's downs, there's twists, there's turns. You're upside down. You might even get a little sick sometimes. But I'm gonna tell you something. God's gonna see you through it to the end. Faith is not a, a Walmart shopping cart. Walmart's the Batman ride at Six Flags. <laughs> Walmart's the scream machine, you know? I mean, uh, gee, uh, the, the uh, belief in faith in Jesus Christ is like the scream machine. It's, it's all over the place. Sometimes you feel like you're coming out of your seat, and, something, and then you have to realize I'm locked in pretty good. It's a faith we've got to have. We've got to be prepared. God may ask you and I to do something daring and risky by faith. And here at the conclusion of all of this, in verses 33 through 38, the Scripture tells us, uh, What more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, of David, Samuel, the prophets. What did they do? Well, the first several things, verses 33 through 35, we see those victories that they had in faith. The victories that they had because they had faith that God could do what only God could do. Preached a sermon one time to our students years ago. When God does what only God can do. I may preach that here sometimes because it was a fun one. But there are victories in faith. And you see the victories that they had. What did those guys do? They subdued kingdoms. They worked righteousness. They obtained promises. They stopped the mouths of lions. That's Daniel. They quenched the violence of fire. That's, that's the three Hebrew boys, if you will. They escaped the edge of the sword. Out of weakness, they were made strong. They became valiant in battle. That's Gideon. They battled foreign armies. And women received their dead, raised to life again. There are victories in faith but I want you to understand also there is suffering in faith as well like I said a lot of people accept Christ and they think I'm supposed to be like in a shopping cart with my mom or daddy pushing me around sometimes when you receive faith in Jesus Christ it's getting on it's getting on a superman and you hanging on upside down and you're going all over the place and this is sufferings in the faith it says they were tortured Trials of mocking and scourging, 
imprisoned, stoned, cut in two. The New King James says, sown in, sown in two. Could you imagine? Could you imagine that you had faith in Jesus Christ and somebody, you know what, I'm going to take a, chain, a, a hacksaw and just cut you in two. I mean, I, I can't imagine a worse death. Now, some, people, some of them have been quartered, and I don't, you know, quartered is pretty bad too. Those in medieval times, they'd take those Christians and they'd tie one arm up to this horse, one leg to that one, one leg to that one, and another to that one, and they'd run in different directions. I can't even fathom. And here we are, we think we've got it bad. But this is all the things, and these are because these people had faith in Christ. So don't think for a moment. Oh, I place my faith in Christ. Man, I should be making lots of money. I should be driving a Cadillac. I should be doing this. I should be doing that. No. That's not biblical. Quit watching Creflo Dollar and these folks on, on TBN. That's not right. False teachers is what you're getting on there. You better be careful. Benny Hinn talking about how big his house is, 40,000 square foot, got a private plane. Who needs that? What pastor needs that? Anyway, they're not living by faith. They're living off the backs of, of people and hurting people, damaging people, hurting primarily elderly people that are on fixed incomes, telling them, sow a seed of faith. I ain't got to sow a seed of faith. For it's by grace that you have been saved through faith. I ain't got to sow a seed of faith. I just got to place my faith in Jesus. Be careful what you're watching on TV. Be careful who you're listening to. Suffering in faith. They were wanderers. They were, killed by, they were tempted, killed by the sword. They were wanderers in terrible clothing. Okay? All right, rough, uncomfortable, itchy, goat skin, sheep skin. I mean, these guys were not comfortable. They're walking around. It's hot. They didn't even have air conditioning then. Could you imagine? I mean, it's warm up here to me now. I mean, if I was up here in goat skin and sheep skin, I mean... Y'all see me come out of a jacket, it would be very, probably inappropriate. I'd be like David. Anyway, they were wanderers in terrible clothing. They were alone. They were afflicted and tormented. They were housed uh, and, and lived in deserts and mountains and dens and caves. And what does the scripture say there? Verse 38 says, of whom the world was not worthy. All these kings... These people that had it all, they thought they had it all. They ain't even worthy of these that have dealt with such issues. Verse 39 and 40 in closing. Faith testimony. Although their faith was not, uh, was not sight on earth, it was fulfilled in their faithful homegoing. You know, we think about our saints, our people that we know, that we love very dearly, that go on. And they, they've seen, they've seen, they've experienced Christ. But boy, your faith is not completely sight until your faith, until you see Christ in heaven. Could you imagine that, that glorious moment to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And for your faith, the, the, the person that you've lived for, in relationship with for all these years, You've never seen them. Could you imagine that? It's like being a great big pen pal, somebody across the, the way. You've written letters. You've talked. You know all about them. You've seen them. They've, they've told you how much they love you. they told you how much they care about you, how much they've sacrificed for you. And you're like one day, man, I sure wished I could meet you. 
And then one day you get home. You see them and you're like, wow. That, that's, that's the saints of old. That's the saints of old. That's us. Listen, it must be remembered that Christians, you and I also, we must look forward in faith to certain fulfillment still future. That's why the author has been urging his readers to keep firm in their faith without wavering. The reason given why the Old Testament saints did not fully realize the fulfillment of the promise during their lifetime was that God had a plan to include the New Testament economy, talking about the gospel of Jesus Christ, in his grand scheme of salvation. The word they mentioned in verse 40. Says God having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. That word they mentioned in verse 40 refers to Old Testament believers. And the word the us denotes New Testament believers. The Old Testament saints were not made perfect during their lifetime because the once for all sacrifice for Christ did not yet come. But we live in the era of the New Testament, and we know Christ died for our sins. We know Christ died for, for our sins. Some of us know and have received, while others may not know. Others may not know, but, yet, but have yet to receive. Where are you today? Where are you today? Where is your faith today? Is it still in you? Is your faith in you alone? A fallible human being? Or is your faith in the God of these men and women that we've talked about today? Is your faith in their God? And the God of the Bible, the God who parts seas, the God who saves babies, the God who sees faithfulness, the God who rewards those who seek him, the God who opens wombs and rolls back stones from tombs. Is that the God that you placed your faith in? I sure hope so. If you have not, today is the day of salvation for you. You can place your faith in Jesus Christ today. There's no greater thing that you can do, should do, than to place your faith in Jesus Christ. He's the same God. I'm calling on the God of Jacob. I'm calling on the God of Moses to do the same thing for you that he's done for me.